It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. Hello, all my lovely Merry Britsmas listeners. This is your host, Adam, back in 2022, after yet another Christmas has been and gone. I know it's April, but I took a few months off the podcast to rest, recuperate and catch up on everything I missed over the busy festive season. I hope you all had a lovely Christmas in whatever way you celebrated, from the quiet to the chaotic, from the peaceful to the panicked. I had a very isolated Christmas, as I tested positive for this darn Covid that's kind of been in the news recently. Me and my wife avoided the usual mad rush around families in exchange for a quiet Christmas together, which was actually kind of lovely. I missed the family, but it was nice having time to relax completely at home, with puzzles, games, films, TV, music and lots of food thankfully. However, Christmas never really stops around here in the whole Christmas podcast network, as I'm sure many of you know, considering you're potentially listening to this in April. So here's my first podcast of 2022, with some alternative British original Christmas songs, and a super spy rodent. I'm also starting something new for the next few months, based on a book I read called Christmas at War by Caroline Taggart, in which she uses interviews and accounts of people who experience festive life in Britain during World War II. Each month, I'll share some interesting accounts and stories from the book, and this month, I'm beginning with some of the children evacuated and their first Christmases away from home. I felt like something a bit childish would be fun to start the year on, so I went for a bit of animalistic spy cartoon action. And it all started back in 1981, with the beginning of Danger Mouse. He's the greatest. He's fantastic. Wherever there is danger, he'll be there. He's the ace. He's amazing. He's the strongest, he's the quickest, he's the best. Danger Mouse. Fun adventure of a super spy who just also happens to be a mouse, alongside his spectacled sidekick Penfold, a hamster of course. Danger Mouse faces a variety of villains, chief amongst them his arch enemy the Baron, a toad with a wheezy voice. David Jason aka Delboy of Only Fools and Horses fame voiced Danger Mouse, and Terry Scott, a comedian from several Carry On films voiced Penfold. It was a huge hit and became a favourite show of many kids throughout the 1980s, running for 10 series and voted as the third best kids show of all time in a Channel 4 poll. However, the initial run of 89 episodes didn't have a Christmas episode at all, but the show was brought back as many classic shows have been in 2015 with new voices and animation but the same classic style and approach to the world of super spying. The original show was on ITV but the new series was for CBBC 
and the voice of Danger Mouse is now Alexander Armstrong, a comedian and TV host, most famously for the brilliant quiz show Pointless. Other voices include comedian Kevin Eldon as Penfold, and comedy legend and British national treasure Stephen Fry as Colonel K, the chinchilla boss of Danger Mouse. Also, the narrator is David Lamb, famous in the UK for being the voiceover on the surprisingly addictive reality show Come Dine With Me. The festive special of series 1 came on 16th of December 2015, the 16th episode of the series. It was a double length one, albeit only 20 minutes as opposed to the normal 10. It's called The Snowman Cometh and begins with a festive capital city. Christmas in London. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Carol singers, Big Mike's Holly and Ivy Pies. Snowmen. But that's no ordinary snowman. <laughs> yes, it wouldn't be a Danger Mouse Christmas special without a dastardly seasonal villain. Ha! Ooh! I am the snowman. Feel the awesome chill of winter's breath. You may recognise the snowman's voice of comedian, star of the IT crowd and travel man, Richard Ayoade. The narrator, Danger Mouse, and the people of London, although people is not quite right as they're more like giraffes, hippos and other animals, laugh at this rather amusing villain. That's right, Warmskins. I shall freeze you in the icy blast of... Whee! I'm so sorry, everyone. The snowman was the only villain available. All the proper ones are busy celebrating the season of peace and goodwill. Then... His defeat and humiliation is capped by a heated seat. One day the world will feel the power of my wintry terror. Are these seats heated? I'm melting! Ooh, that reminds me, we need ice cubes for the Christmas party. The Colonel turns up at Christmas with another possible threat. Merry Christmas, Colonel. I wish it was, DM. Someone has threatened to kidnap Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. <gasps> Big deal. Santa's not real. Flying reindeer. Magic sleighs. Elves! Give me a break. And Santa appears on the hologram call, voiced by the brilliant Brian Blessed. Santa! That could be anyone. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Sorry I can't be there in person, but it's the busiest night of the year here in the North Pole. Ho, ho, ho. He reveals the threat that he's received. Why do you think someone wants to kidnap you, Mr. Claus? This Christmas will be your last, Santa. I want what is yours. Ho, ho, ho. I hardly think this is a laughing matter, Santa. Sorry. That was a nervous laugh. I only have one laugh, you know. Danger Mouse and Penfold go undercover. Big Red One is on the move. Repeat, Big Red One is on the move. I'm right here, Chief. Are you, what are you playing at? This isn't a standard issue wrapping uniform. Honestly, you call yourself an elf. I'm not an elf. I'm a secret agent. Yeah, yeah, and I'm the world's shortest giant. Move it! And find out the reason for Santa's magic. I've always wondered, Santa, how do you manage to deliver presents to every boy and girl in the whole world in a single night? I'll show you. It's my magic hat that makes Christmas possible. And it keeps my ears warm, too. Then 
the real threat appears with a reformed villain. Yes, it is I, the snowman. I have reformed and I'm here to take what is yours, Santa. Just like my evil dolly said. The snowman? <laughs> the doll was scarier. He steals the magic hat from Santa. Fire orange boomerang. All I want for Christmas is a magically super-powered hat. I like the self-referential voiceover at the halfway point here. Don't worry, Penfold. Knowing the snowman, his plans will melt away any moment now. But what Danger Mouse has forgotten is that this is a double-length Christmas special. So the snowman is only just getting started. Then the snowman reveals his final plan. People of the world, this is the A-list villain, the snowman. I'm about to commit the ultimate crime. I'm temporarily delaying Christmas. No, wait. I'm still getting the hang of this. I'm cancelling Christmas. Yes, it's true. Before you can say Christmas chaos, the snowman is rampaging across the globe like some sort of super-powered Scrooge. And also summons and brings to life other snowmen to assist him with an added reference to cult British favourite, the snowman. Soaring through the clouds, I'm singing <laughs> Is Christmas doomed? Will nobody get their presents? It's just typical. I've been so good this year too. I really deserve that jet ski. Come on, Danger Mouse, do something. Professor Squawk and Cluck. The Bond-like cue of the Danger Mouse show gives him a gadget to help. Oh, it's the exact same hairdryer we got you. Thanks. I made a few modifications. It's now a prototype nuclear fusion heat cannon. <laughs> Danger Mouse! It works. Ah, but still the snowman surrounded by snowman bodyguards. Oh, I'd need an army to get even close. Where am I going to find that? <laughs> Good idea, Penfold. Elves. An army of elves and a fiery gadget help them defeat the snowman army. But the villain swallows Santa's hat and grows into a giant snowman. If you even get close to defeating me, I'll eat my hat. Challenge accepted. The Christmas party is over, snowman. Hand over Santa's hat. And I thought fruitcake tastes bad. Uh oh. I told you I would be the biggest villain the world has ever seen. Santa decides to try and help after realising that Christmas TV is a bit rubbish. Time to put that snowman on ice. Really? Were you inspired by my speech? No. I've seen this movie before. It's all reruns this time of year. And he arrives just in time to save the others from being eaten by the giant snowman and uses some festive gadgetry to take him down. Deploy grappling tinsel! No! 
and of course then Santa flies him close to the sun in space, as explained by Danger Man. Dragging a giant snowzilla across the surface of the sun. I love a traditional Christmas. And the gang helps Santa deliver the presents before dawn, and a party ends with another silly Christmas reference. And a bang. And presents too! Merry Christmas, Penfold! <laughs> wow, Chief! A completely normal, non-exploding present! Just what I wanted! Oh, um, yes, only if you've got that, then what did I just give Tiny Tim? Oh, just what I always wanted! It's a silly, festive, fun special, and captures the essence of the original Danger Mouse. A bit of silly stupidity mixed with a lot of parody and fun. As mentioned earlier, this year I thought I'd focus my historical segment, and historical is used in the loosest terms here, to focus on how Christmas was experienced in the UK during World War II. And my resource is a great book called Christmas at War by Caroline Taggart. I won't be reading every story from the book, so I recommend if you enjoy history and Christmas in any combination, to check out this book. I'm going to look at some different aspects of the festive experience during a very tragic time in history. And I'm starting with the outbreak of the Second World War in 1939, when British families and cities, understandably, were worried about their children's safety with the impending potential attacks of bomb planes. So, there was a mass organisation, formal and informal, of children being evacuated to families in the countryside, often with children who had never been outside of their city streets, going to the rural middle of nowhere and facing very different experiences, especially with Christmas fast approaching. Not all of these experiences were traumatic or bad though. Some got to experience life in the country in a very positive way, such as Jim, who was sent from South London at the age of 12 to the village of Northam in Sussex to stay with Mr and Mrs Skinner. Mr Skinner was a milkman who used to use a horse called Bunny to pull his milk cart. And Jim said, The days leading up to Christmas resulted in a hive of activity at Oak Cottage, an activity that I got fully involved in. Over the years, Mr Skinner had built up a private enterprise selling oranges and nuts to his milk-round customers. The crafty Mr Skinner had orders booked well in advance. The smell of oranges in a house and the sight of someone rinsing nut fragments from their dental plate was synonymous with the season. So, with a couple of wooden crates, it was my job to get the daily orders ready. I must mention they bought me a present actually wrapped in coloured paper. With excitement, I hastily opened it to find a large selection of Chinese puzzles, and a better choice couldn't have been made. Another evacuee, Frank from Bethnal Green in London, had a surprising shift in their experiences of winter and Christmas. Frank said, What I do remember is that on Boxing Day morning I woke up to find it had snowed in the night. Of course it snowed in London, but I'd never seen the world turn completely white before. In Bethnal Green, snow turned to grubby slush within minutes. Here, it was soft and clean and brilliant white in the morning sunshine, and everything was so quiet. Normally, we heard the next door's farmer horse and cart clopping along the lane, but today, everything was muffled by a soft, white cushion. Another poignant story from the book, 
that always brings a tear to my eye comes from the perspective of 10-year-old Irvine, whose family took in two sisters as evacuees. He remembers. It was 1940, and Christmas was coming. London was being heavily bombed, and suddenly, trainloads of evacuees were pouring into Blackpool to escape the destruction. My granddad and I were bringing home a Christmas tree and were surprised when we reached our road to find it overflowing with children. A crocodile of evacuees were snaking along the pavement, each child carrying a bag or small suitcase. They all wore labels tied to their clothes bearing their name and age. None of them had parents with them. Nan and Grandad took in two sisters, Elsie and Margaret. Elsie was seven and Margaret nine. They were very different from us. They looked poor and underfed and they were cold. Their cotton dresses were too thin for our northern weather. We found out they'd never been on a train before and that they and many of the other children had wept, wrenched from the home. We only had one hot water bottle, so Grandad went out and bought another, and the girls got one each, hugging them tightly when bedtime came. For the first time they laughed, they told us they'd never had a hot water bottle before. Then the girl's mother came to see them, bringing them their Christmas present. It was a joyful reunion, but the visit was all too short and the mother left by an afternoon train. I saw that she had bought the girls a Christmas present but I was shocked when I saw what it was. Each girl was given a comic. At first I couldn't believe that was all they were going to get. Each was rolled up neatly and tied with a piece of tinsel. I glanced at the heap of parcels that waited at the front of our Christmas tree and felt a wave of shame. It seemed that I was to receive so much and they so little. But the girls were delighted with their presents. They kept them tied up and unopened at the foot of the tree waiting for Christmas morning and quietly other gifts for the girls were added. But the comics were eagerly opened and poured over by the girls come Christmas morning. And over the years, I realised that love and the comics were all the poor woman had. In these stories, we see the love and care people shared at a time of such struggle, inviting in strangers to their home to care for and provide for them, and of course giving them a Christmas. For many children, it was a struggle to be away from home, but we see the amazing humans that show that love and compassion, and it reminds us of the good in the world. In a time of great struggle, as we see more and more refugees seeking love and compassion in all parts of the world, it's lovely to remember the people that help. As a Christmas obsessive, I'm always on the lookout for interesting original Christmas songs, especially from alternative artists beyond pop music. So I thought I'd share some I have found from British artists that are perhaps not as widely appreciated as they should be. First up is Dan Kroll, a singer-songwriter who attended the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. He won a National Songwriter of the Year award and was signed to Turn First Records. He since released three albums, with songs of his appearing on the soundtrack of FIFA 14 and Grand Theft Auto 5. He teamed up with The Guardian newspaper in 2013 to make a song called, appropriately, A Guardian Christmas. All about the unusual, sometimes annoying, sometimes lovely little moments of visiting the family at Christmas. Do I have to wear this paper crown or 
He said he wrote it with a mini organ and drum machine, aiming for a Death Cab for Cutie meets Justin Timberlake style. Another artist who was approached for this project was Gabrielle Applin, a singer from Wiltshire who first came to the attention of the public with acoustic covers on YouTube, before appearing in an actual John Lewis Christmas advert in 2012, covering The Power of Love, a Frankie Goes to Hollywood songs I've covered already on this podcast. Angels, they keep at bay. Love is the light scaring darkness away. A year later, she wrote an original song for The Guardian, which she couldn't be asked to give a name to, so it's simply called Untitled, but also covers the annoying factors of a festive day such as paper crowns and overplayed songs. about drinking wine may have been inspired by the fact she sat and wrote it in 10 minutes while drinking a lot of red wine. And finally, moving away from this little Guardian experiment up to Scotland with indie pop darlings Bell and Sebastian. Formed in 1996, the band have had 10 studio albums since then, which have included stellar singles such as Step Into My Office and The Boy With The Arab Strap. Their music has won them a Brit Award for Best Newcomer, despite their third album just being released, and nominations for a Mercury Prize and an Ivan Novello Songwriting Award. They also won the Outstanding Contribution to Music Award at the NME Awards in 2014. And a vote for The List, a Scottish magazine, put them as the greatest Scottish band. But let's get to the festive stuff. They recorded a whole load of covers over the years, including covers of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel and Christmas Time Is Here. But their original song is one of my favourite alternative Christmas tracks, called Are You Coming Over For Christmas? It was released in 2007 and originally put out via MySpace, the crazy old days of music on social media. It's brilliant and well worth adding to any alternative festive playlist. It's just 
Guess that they've got plenty more money I'm going to paint the town and my days are blue Cold slate roofs that glisten in starlight Me and you singing a carol on the top side of you enjoyed our first podcast of the year 2022 and especially the historical look of world war ii because there's plenty more of that coming up as we look at what festive life was like for soldiers the wives left at home and much more please do get in touch via twitter or instagram or facebook where you can find me at merry britsmas and happy blooming christmas to you and all Have you ever wondered why we sing and eat figgy pudding during the holidays? How does the butter letter from 11th century Rome create the perfect holiday dessert? Join me, Glenn Warren, on Seasons Eatings as we explore the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. So head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com to subscribe on your podcast app of choice.